Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. This podcast is where we share and discuss the experiences, ideas, and happenings in the world of business, featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction in your journey. Introducing your host, award-winning entrepreneur and Prince's Trust business mentor, Jay Dillon. Dennis Brown, welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. Appreciate it. Interesting. So we've, uh, Dennis had me on his podcast, I think it was about three or four months ago. And obviously, Dennis has got an amazing story as well. You know, he's built uh, three multi-million pound turnover businesses. He does a lot of work on LinkedIn. He's helped clients generate over 20 million through LinkedIn, probably more than, you know, as we talk. So I want to bring him on to want to share your story because obviously the Business Mentor Podcast, we're about mentoring, we're about getting stories, helping people grow through mindset, through just other people's challenges and adversities. So that was one of the reasons to get you on. But secondly, talk to you about LinkedIn. So, you know, one of the fastest growing platforms. Um, a lot of people are on LinkedIn, so I'm sure that'll bring value as well. So Dennis, um, just tell us a bit about your story. I want to know, let's go back so people get an understanding of where, you, you know, where you're at and where you came from and about uh, building these multi-million pound businesses. And I'll jump in with some questions and then we'll go on to LinkedIn. So just take us back to the early days, Dennis, how it all began and how you got into business. Sure. Yeah. Just one, one quick thing I wanted to point out. You mentioned how, you know, I'd, I'd been fortunate to have some success on LinkedIn and so I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the origin story of LinkedIn, or do you want to go back to the beginning of entrepreneurship? Cause that's a long, long story. Well, let's, let's do, if you summary. can do, yeah, let's do a summary. That's, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I started, uh, I graduated in college in 1992, thought I had it all figured out, was going to go to law school, realized that didn't make sense. <laughs> uh, 400,000 law students and there was 400,000 lawyers. Uh, the world didn't need another lawyer. So I decided to get into a sales job and I was the worst salesperson they had ever hired. I needed money just like everybody that was still in college and just getting on their feet and, uh, rapidly be, went from the worst salesperson to the best salesperson, one of the top salespeople in the company and <clears throat> thought I had it all figured out, decided to go start my own venture, got kicked in the teeth for the next five or 10 years as an entrepreneur, make a little bit of money, lose a little bit of money, much more failure than success. Um, fortunately <clears throat> in, uh, in the late nineties, I had a dot-com, uh, business. I was a partner in a dot-com business that did very well. Uh, and then in 2003, I started a B2B service company in the logistics industry, <clears throat> freight management, transportation management. You know, we basically moved products uh, and goods for different, you know, manufacturers, producers, importers, exporters. And um, so in 2003, I started that business. <clears throat> we rapidly grew that business from 2003 in 2016, I sold that business after growing it to about $80 million uh, per year in sales. So that was a B2B service company that we grew. And along the way, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I like to say that makes me a little bit different than most of the people that are out there teaching, coaching, training on social selling, LinkedIn marketing, or even digital marketing in a lot of different spaces. And I think this is the same thing with you. It makes you different is that I've built a real business. I didn't decide to just start training LinkedIn as a way to make some money, right? It wasn't something I just came up with and said, oh, there's demand. I'm going to go start this course or I'm going to go start coaching. I actually joined LinkedIn in 2008 because I was trying to scratch my own itch. I, was, I had a rapidly growing business. Uh, I was looking for new ways to grow the business and I stumbled across LinkedIn 
And even though at the time I was a complete and total social media naysayer, I took the leap, I jumped in, and uh, within about 60 days after joining LinkedIn back in 2008, I landed my first six-figure client. And then at that point, I became an instant believer. And the rest is kind of, you know, we can kind of move on with that from there. <laughs> but that yeah. gives you a little bit of a snapshot of my history. Yeah, and that's what Dennis, we resonate because obviously um, there's a difference between teaching from, from like just textbooks and teaching from actual business experience. And I think it just makes it more impact, more powerful when you're doing it just because you love teaching. And I'm the same, same as you. I go into mentoring and helping people because you know, after building businesses, you want to kind of give back, right? And there's different ways and you chose LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, there's a difference between being a practitioner and teaching theory, right? You can read a book uh, and, and, and educating yourself with books and with trainings and with courses and with seminars and in conferences and all that and having mentors is great, but it doesn't replace being a practitioner. And so I'm, if, if anybody ever catches my content, whether it be on, on LinkedIn or anywhere, you're going to hear me talk a lot about being a practitioner. Everybody wants to be an expert. Everybody wants to, you know, to be an influencer. But before you do any of that, you have to be a practitioner. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and even like, look, the world needs more mentors, definitely. But they need, in my, in my opinion, uh, practiced mentors. It's like, it's like a doctor, right? They've got to go through a process. The best GPs are the ones that have done it over time and time again. And I think it's really important to try and make you – know, there's a, there is a big difference, and I've noticed that. And I always say, I don't know about you, Dennis, but I always say to people who want to get into the space of training and development and coaching and mentoring, you know, be patient with it, you know. Do it first. You know, there's plenty of time where you can help people, but just practice the art of business because there's so many challenges, and we talked on the podcast we did. And uh, i like to share some of the challenges you've had, Dennis, in business. And we'll definitely go to LinkedIn because that's so much more relevant to people at the moment. But tell us about the challenges you've had as an entrepreneur, which you can say, you know, the difference between having a, a practitioner background rather than just a textbook one. Yeah, just one thing before we move into that. You know, I, I, the fake it till you make it mantra is, is something that just doesn't set well in my gut. And I see a lot of people doing that. And you mentioned something that I think is really important, particularly for young entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs that are deciding now to get out of the workforce and, and control their own destiny because of everything that's going on with the, you know, with the pandemic and is that, you know, you got to be patient. Patience yeah. is critical. And it's, it's hard for somebody who is entrepreneurial to be patient because we patient because we want it all today, right? We have these type A personalities and we're go, 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 and we'll work 18 hours a day. <clears throat> but you just have to understand that you can't, you know, you can't throw yourself into a microwave and in one minute or one day or one month be an expert. You know, you've, it takes time. And so I, that's why I tell a lot of young entrepreneurs, go work in the workforce for a while, go work for some companies, go work for, you know, a startup, go work for someone that's a little bit larger and understand the differences and, and kind of build your chops, so to speak, and whatever your, whatever your niche is going to be, whether that be marketing or sales or IT or software, whatever it is. So, so anyway, <clears throat> moving into the challenges, um, you know, the, obviously much like you, you know, had plenty of challenges. There's never, there's never a dull moment. And so that's really what attracted me and why I continued as an entrepreneur, because it's never the same, right? Every day is different. 
Every quarter is different. Every year, you, you have to reinvent yourself as a business, as an organization, as a person, because things continue to evolve. And so, I think one of the biggest challenges, uh, you know, I ran into <clears throat> in growing a business because I growing my business from a startup to over eighty million in sales. I think the biggest thing that I struggled with was probably the understanding that I couldn't do it all. I had built a, a seven-figure business. Our first year, we did $1.2 million in sales. And that was really heavily on the back of my efforts, right? And I could drive that business and I could build a, a multi-million dollar business off of predominantly my efforts. But I, what I realized very quickly is that, number one, um, I was going to die at an early age because I was probably going to have a heart attack. Number two, there was a strong likelihood that I was going to get divorced. Number three, I was probably never going to see my kids because I was going to have to work 16 hours a day forever and it just didn't make sense. And so what I realized is I had to build a team. And that was one of the biggest things that I struggled with. And I think that was what a lot of people struggle with is because even if you do build a small business that's successful, and even if it's doing high six figures or seven figures, the challenge is scaling that business, you know? And so you know, what I realized at that point is that <clears throat> I needed to find the right people. And more than finding the right people, I needed to be willing to trust them and give away the things that I was doing, even if I knew that they were not going to get done at the same level that I was doing them. And that's hard. That's very difficult challenge for most people. You know, when you're used to doing A, B, and C, and then you have to give it away. And, it, and sometimes it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be done the way you're doing it. Um, you know, that's, that's, tr that's difficult. That's where a lot of businesses struggle. I mean, I've seen a ton of businesses grow to the point where the owner is at, at their capacity and then they can never grow beyond because they never learn to find the right team. They never build systems. They never delegate and they're never willing to give up control and control is, um, is something difficult for a lot of people to give up. What's been your, what was your experience, Jay? Yeah, exactly the same. I think we could on our a podcast. I think the biggest myth in business entrepreneurship is startups is to just do it all on your own. But obviously we scaled it to like 400 contracts to 500, even as we were bigger and bigger. But the biggest thing is giving up is, is not trying to make it perfect, but exactly the same. And I think, um, and one thing I'm really glad Dennis, and I, and I think in this day and age where we're bombarded by the get rich quick ideas. And I think it's more of us as, as I've never heard an entrepreneur who's done it over 20 years that mean yourself, I've ever said it's easy because it's not. It's a journey. And we're still learning, right? We're still trying to get better at what we do. And I think if we can try and differentiate between long-term success against quick, get-rich-quick ideas, I think uh, people will be in a better state because a lot of entrepreneurs have been wiped out recently because they've not really looked at the, the, the fund you need to keep as a business, you know, a backup fund because times are difficult now, right? And it's difficult to, to see that now. Yeah, I think that... Um the fundamentals of business, this is what I teach. I'm not one of those guys who's super trendy, even though I leverage LinkedIn very heavily to grow my business. And even though I teach and coach people on that, I'm really all about fundamentals, right? I, I really love the, you know, I'm much more of a strategy than a tactic guy. I see a lot of people struggling in business because they're all caught up in the tactics, right? What's yeah. the latest Facebook tactic or what's the latest chatbot tactic or what's the, you know, the, they're very tactic driven and those are all great tools, but they're just tools. And what you're going to find is those are going to change over time. And yeah. sometimes they change very rapidly. Like you'll adopt something and then 
three, four, six months, eight months, a year, year and a half later, it's gone, right? Look at, for example, some of the different social networks that haven't survived. You remember Vine? Yeah. Vine was one of those big, crazy viral networks. The next thing you know, it disappeared, right? Everybody invested all this time, but the concept of video marketing and viral marketing and content marketing is still there. So if you build strong fundamentals, whether that be in marketing or whether that be in your financial management, let me give you a perfect example. And I'm really brought, glad you brought this up. I had a gentleman on my podcast, my podcast called the Growth Experts Podcast. You can check it out. Jay was on there. His episode, if you want to listen to Jay, it's 154, How to Grow a Seven-Figure Business in a Highly Competitive Industry. Jay did an amazing job on my show when we did that. And um, I just had a gentleman on the show. It hasn't published yet. His name is Mike Michalowicz. And he's the author of a book called Profit First. Now, Profit First, if you, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Jay, but amazing book, right, great know. book. And what it is, is it's a very fundamental book that teaches entrepreneurs, small business owners, how to properly manage their finances. And I'm not talking about managing your finances like a CPA or an accountant or a controller or a bookkeeper. I'm talking about a very simple strategy for money in, money out, you know, it's, it's like, your, uh, here's, here's the example. You know how your grandmother or mother, when they used to save for Christmas or when they were saving for something, they'd have an envelope and they'd stuff money in these different envelopes and they'd have little labels on the envelopes. It takes that very simple approach. And I adopted that approach in my current business, in my coaching, consulting, and training business. And it's been amazing. So all of a sudden, that money that was, all that money was coming in, now I have this very simple that this very simple system and it's just taken all the stress off and it's made it so that it's very predictable. And so that's a perfect example. I would highly recommend, I think I have it here. Uh, anyway, it, it's, it's called uh, profit first by Mike McCallowitz. So he's so, coming out with a new books very soon, but yeah. So in that, it, just to make that clear, it's a list. Is that basically saying when you get some money coming in, part of it's a marketing part, maybe backup fund pocket, you know, so you've already distributed them funds into various, areas of your business. So they all grow. Does that make sense? And it's all, that's, that's exactly it. And it's all based on percentages. So you're going to have a percentage every that's going to go into profit. You're going to have a percentage that's going to go into taxes. You're going to have a percentage that goes yeah. into operating expense. You're going to have a percentage that goes into these different four or five buckets. And I'm giving you a very simplistic view of it. But what I'm trying to focus on is the fundamentals of business. Yeah. Because again, you know, you could, you could be a flash in the pan and have this, all this money come in because you hit it hot on the latest e-commerce product or the latest uh, online training pro program. But the problem is, is if you don't manage that money and you don't think long term, you know, you could be here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, that's a, that's a challenge that I see a lot of young entrepreneurs running into. They get caught up in that and they don't have those basic fundamentals. So, you know, while I, again, I teach social selling and it is a little bit trendy and a little bit, you know, topical today, I think the fundamentals, even that, are, are really just strong business fundamentals, which includes relationships over transactions, you know, leveraging, you know, um, you know, leveraging your existing network to develop referrals, um, you know, not beating people over the head with your pitch, you know, uh, developing those relationships and positioning yourself as more of a resource. So, I mean, those fundamentals of social selling are the fundamentals of any good business, even 30 years ago, yeah. minus the dot-com at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Evergreen, evergreen principles. Save, make sure you have a backup fund, make sure you invest in the right areas. Don't spend when you can't. Little simple processes, like you said, these are for businesses that are looking long term. Like you run a business for, you know, decades and decades. I run a business, my first business for 10 years. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. 
but we're, we're just in that thing. You've got to invest in your business like you would in anything. But look, you know, great stuff. I know, I know we could spend so much time on yeah. talking business and, and strategies. But I want to talk about LinkedIn because I know, you, you know, you've got a lot of experience in LinkedIn, generated 20 million for your, for your clients, which is amazing. Um, so tell us a bit about LinkedIn. And then also what I want you to do, if someone's listened to this now and wants to leverage LinkedIn, I know you've got some tools which we can share at the end, but what would you say? Why is LinkedIn such a good platform now? And how would you get about someone building that long-term? Like I said, not about the quick engagement tips and all that kind of stuff, more about long-term value because you only need a small amount of customers to be successful. You know, you got millions of views, but if you're not getting any customers, then you're just like, you know, it's not really worth it, if that makes sense. So over to you, Dennis. Sure. So let me just, let me just correct one thing. The 20 million, you know, I, I, in my logistics company, my B2B service company, we generated well over $20 million for my own business using just LinkedIn and just that channel. Now for clients, I have no idea how much impact it's had because it, you know, I've been doing it for a while, but, but ultimately, you know, again, it goes back to me being a practitioner and actually leveraging that platform to seek success in my own business. I had no intentions of creating a course. I had no intentions of being a consultant. I had no intentions of coaching in and around LinkedIn or social selling. I didn't even know it was a thing. I had kind of lived in a vacuum. I just thought we were doing what everybody else was doing. Come to find out they really weren't. So when I sold that business, um, I had a lot of people asking me, how do you do this? You know, how did you grow so fast? What is this whole LinkedIn thing? And so I started coaching and training people. And next thing you knew, I accidentally became a consultant. And so here I am, the accidental LinkedIn consultant and been doing it for several years and been very, very blessed. But ultimately, uh, LinkedIn, the reason why LinkedIn, if you're selling to a business, right, which a lot of, most, a lot of companies do, I don't know what the percentage is, but if you're selling yeah. to a business, LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network, right? So it is the world's largest professional social network and it's become very social. Some people wouldn't have called it a social network in the past, but in the last few years, it's become very social and it's become a great, uh, you know, distribution platform for content. Pre previous to that, it really wasn't that great. And so, um, if you're selling to a business, the people that you are selling to are on LinkedIn. Okay. There's a very high probability you are going to find them on LinkedIn. Now, the challenge and the comparison from LinkedIn to Facebook to Twitter to Instagram is that LinkedIn makes it very easy for you to find them because most of these other platforms don't have a very robust search algorithm. Yeah. If you go to Facebook, it's very hard to filter your searches for CFOs of financial service companies in the state of Texas. But on LinkedIn, you can do that in 10 seconds. But on Facebook and Instagram and these other platforms, it's very hard. So just that fundamental alone of finding and identifying your target market, whatever that target market is, is much, much easier, much faster, and much more accurate, okay? So just the finding component. And then the ability to connect with them, right? So there's really three components, find, connect, and engage, right? So if you, first you need to find them and there's some very basic search algorithms and filters and then you can buy subscription services like LinkedIn Sales Navigator and you can get additional uh, you know, features. You don't really need that in order to get started, um, but there's some extra bonuses for doing it. But ultimately find them and then connect with them, right? So if you, if you were part of my target market, I did a search, I found you in my search results, I would click on your profile, I would gather a little bit of sales intelligence, right? And what I mean by sales intelligence is any form of data that I can use to leverage 
um, as a way to further get closer to my goal, right? Whatever that goal is, if it's to develop a relationship, if it's to hire you, if it's to bring you on as a client, if it's to set up a call, whatever that goal is. So I gather some sales intelligence, like where you worked before and maybe some of the content that you've published and, you know, just some basic fundamentals about you. And then I form a a custom connection request where I sent an add a note to the connection request. We don't send yeah. a generic connection request because that's never going to make a good first impression, right? I mean, you're, you're really blowing the first impression yeah. that you can have with a potential prospect. So you send a custom connection request. And if you do that properly, you know, somewhere between 50 and probably 70% of the people that you send that to are going to accept your connection request. First, they're going to look at your profile, which obviously needs to be optimized. Um, so, you know, we could talk a little bit about that, the optimization. And then once they connect with you, you now have an open line of dialogue. There's two ways that they're going to be able to see you. Number one, you can message them. And number two, they're going to start seeing your content on LinkedIn. You're going to start showing up in their feed. Okay. So, you know, the three primary strategies for generating business on LinkedIn is paid advertising, which I don't specialize in, but can be very powerful. If anybody wants information on that, check out AJ Wilcox. He's a genius when it comes to paid ads. Outreach, which I just talked to you, doing targeted outreach where you're going to find, connect, and engage with your market. And then the third one is leveraging LinkedIn as a distribution platform for content. So, I mean, those are the three primary ways. We can dive into any of those, all of those, whatever you want to do. You lead me, and then I'll I'll try to I'll try to fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think a lot of the list has got loads of value from that. You know, I'm using LinkedIn, um, building your follower base. So, you know, I see a lot of people. You've got twenty, I think it was twenty nine thousand. 28,393 last time I checked this morning. And so you built that to a big audience, you know, compared to most people. I mean, how do you grow your audience? If someone wants to grow the audience quite quickly, is there a way, quicker way to do it than doing it like one by one? Or is that the process? Yeah, so there are, uh, there have been a plethora of automation tools out there that will send automatic connection requests and automatic messages out there. I would tell you that I don't promote those. And here's why, because they're against LinkedIn's terms of service and they could potentially suspend or delete or terminate your account. There's, there's issues with the term of service. So yeah. if you're going to do something like that, be very, very careful. Okay. I, I just want to throw a little bit of a warning out there for that. And the other way to do it, there's really if you're just getting started, the place to go, if you're just signing up for LinkedIn or maybe you signed up for LinkedIn a while ago and you haven't been back there in months or even years, you know, starting with your warm market is the easiest place to start, right? You've all probably have a stack of business cards in your drawer or you've got a stack of business cards in the, in the file cabinet or on your desk. That's the easiest place to start. And I know it's time consuming. So if you don't have the time to send those connection requests out one by one, have your assistant do it. Yeah. Uh, or have someone in your office do it or hire a virtual assistant to do it. Have somebody help you start building that network, right? And you start from the warm network because those are going to be the people that already know you and are going to be the easiest to connect with and start communicating with. And who knows? Out of that, you might actually get a few calls that could lead into opportunities because you haven't touched base with that person that you met at the, at the conference or at the trade show or at the networking event or, you know, through your friend three years ago and you totally forgot about, right? So reach out to that warm network. And then from there, beyond the warm network, um, you know, you can start leveraging that one-to-one -one very targeted relationship. So here's the thing. What I want 
what I'm going to caution people is don't get caught up in the numbers. I'm, I never got caught up in the number of followers or connections I had because it really isn't about the number. You know, you, you see a lot of these vanity metrics, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you know, I've got a hundred thousand, a million, two million followers, you know, I'm, you know, you're like the Kardashians or Gary V. That, it doesn't require that. I, first of all, I want you to understand, in order to be successful leveraging social media, I don't have anywhere near their follower base and I've generated millions and millions and millions of dollars with these different platforms. So it doesn't require that. So don't get caught up in those vanity metrics. With LinkedIn, the great part about it is the reason why a lot of these other platforms need a large follower base is because it's very hard to target your exact market. But let me ask you this. Would you rather have 10,000 followers who kind of know who you are and maybe a small percentage of them are your target market? Or would you rather have a thousand connections on LinkedIn that are all your target market and you, rather than going wide, you've went deep meaning you've actually developed relationship with them. You're creating content that's very relevant to them and they're seeing it on a regular basis. Which would you choose, Dave? Yeah. The 10,000 or the 1,000? I'll give you a real example. We've got, I've got 68,000 followers on Facebook and obviously the algorithm stopped a few years ago. Yeah. And my reach on LinkedIn, and I'm on LinkedIn I've only got 3,000 because I'm on and off that platform. I only come back onto it recently. And I'm getting sometimes 12,000 reach on my posts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so if you, to answer your question, I'll give you a real example back. So I think LinkedIn's hot because it doesn't matter how many followers you get because you can have, because you're reaching second, third connections, right, as well. So Absolutely. Um, I, to answer your question, 100%, it's more important to have a loyal base of people that engage with you rather than have you know, I've got 25,000 on, on Instagram. So LinkedIn's driving my engagement a lot more than any other platform just because the algorithm works in your favor at the moment. So it's yeah, to take for sure. Totally. You brought up a really good point. You know, LinkedIn right now is like the wild, wild west, right? LinkedIn right now is like Facebook in 2012. Okay. Yeah. When everybody was growing like crazy and things were easy, back then and then all of a sudden they shifted and now all of a sudden the algorithm's not really in your favor and even the same thing's happening on Instagram now. LinkedIn is like the wild, wild west. So if you are consider if you're selling B2B and you're looking for the right time to get involved, get involved, start a profile, you know, start making some connections, start developing some content, and you'll be shocked. I mean, you know, I see people who have less than a thousand followers publishing content that's relevant to their target mark that get tens of thousands of views. So they're getting huge reach with a very small network. So there's true leverage there. I mean, the two, it would be LinkedIn and TikTok are the two most viral and giving you the, the, uh, the, where the algorithms are set up the best for your target market. Unfortunately, TikTok's really not designed specifically for B2B and LinkedIn is. So, you know, maybe, maybe if you're more consumer centric or you're selling to younger generation, TikTok might be better. But if you're selling to a business, LinkedIn is the place to be. So, um, yeah, I think creating content is another really important piece. Uh, you know, I will tell you a few years ago before the, before it became more social and much more of a, con a content distribution network, I didn't publish a lot of content there. I did a little bit, but because I wasn't getting the reach, you know, I just didn't invest a lot of time into it. And so what I did was I started publishing content there very re regularly. Some of them were articles, but more of them were updates like LinkedIn updates, just regular posts. Right. And, um, and my, my, 
my engagement grew immensely, went from getting one or two likes and comments and maybe a couple hundred views to over 10,000 views within like a 60 day period of time, very, very quickly. And so I've continued to evolve that skill and I've trained a lot of people on that. So I actually, for everybody who's on the podcast, if you guys are interested, I put together a guide. It's called um, the ultimate guide to generating inbound leads with LinkedIn. And it talks about how to leverage content to generate inbound leads. And so I took, I spent an entire year becoming the, the crash test dummy for content on LinkedIn. And then I put it into a 22 page guide that shows exactly how I create content to generate inbound leads. So you become more of the hunted versus the hunter. Yeah. And Jay, you know, there's a huge difference in the types of conversations you have with your prospects when they're coming to you, as opposed to when you're going to them, right? 100%. 100% and so I, 100%. I created that guide and anybody can get that guide. You can just go to askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. I've made it super simple. It's we'll, leave, free. We'll, leave, we'll leave the link in the comments. Yeah. Well. Leave the link yeah. in the comments and you guys can get that. But that goes through step by step by step of everything I did in order and everything I learned on how to leverage content to get inbound leads with LinkedIn. And a lot of those things you could use on other platforms too, but it just happens to be, you know, LinkedIn is my home away from home. Awesome. So look, you know, I'm conscious of time as well. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a recap and we've got the guide anyway, but if you were to leave some tips, so your top tips uh, for LinkedIn, you know, to optimization your page and also um, what, what works better, video or written content? So if you answer those two questions, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And the rest I can get from the guide, hopefully. Yeah, sure. So from a, a profile optimization, really important, you know, to optimize your profile. You only get one chance to make a good first impression. So the things that are above the fold, if you do nothing else but adjust and optimize the things that are above the fold when your profile comes up, which is your header image, which is that big block that your image sits on, that header image, customize that. Um, deliver relevant messaging that's relevant to your target market. It's not about you. It's all about them. Think about your profile as a customer-centric profile where it's focused on them and not you. Um, go to fiverr.com and you can get one of those done for 10 or 15 bucks. Optimize your image. Make sure it's a, a good, clean image. I tell everybody, present yourself as if you were going to sit down with one of your prospects for lunch. If you wouldn't wear a suit and tie, don't wear a suit and tie. But definitely, if you know, make sure it's not a ripped T-shirt that's cropped out with your your arm over your girlfriend or standing next to your car. Don't do that. Okay, that's obviously not going to resonate on LinkedIn very well. Um, optimize your headline. Stop putting your title in your headline. Nobody cares that you're the director of sales. Nobody cares that you're the CEO. Nobody cares that you're the vice president. Nobody cares about that. You know what they care about? They care about what's in it for them. So focus on being customer centric. My profile says. Um, uh, you know, generated over 20 million with LinkedIn. Ask me how. Seven time Inc. 500 entrepreneur, um, host of the Growth Experts podcast. That's very specific. That speaks to my audience. That's important to them because it tells about credibility. It tells about what I can provide with them. It has a call to action and I generate a ton of inbound interest just from my headline. So if you don't do anything else, fix everything above the fold. I would highly recommend you optimize the rest of it because we obviously are limited on time. Um, Fix above the fold. And then the other part of the question was you, besides yeah, your profile. Yeah, so content-wise, because obviously a lot of people are content, they've, they've written. I've, you know, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, the I'm different types. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so I use all different types. I'll do written posts where they're just text-based, what I call micro-blogs. You know, you yeah. can do up to 1,300 characters. Those can do very, very well. But 
You have to be decent at writing, right? Not everybody's good at writing. I'm actually not a great writer. I don't enjoy writing. That's why I like podcasting because audio just became very easy. And as you can see, I can run off at the mouth for hours, but writing is a little bit different deal. So, so written content, I know guys like Dale Dupree and other people on LinkedIn do really, really well with written microblogs if you have something interesting to say in a written word. So it just because you're just because everybody else is doing video on these other platforms doesn't mean you can't use the written word on LinkedIn. Uh, another one that's become very popular for me recently and has done really, really well is uh, the parallel of like uh, carousels on Instagram. It's those multi-image decks where you slide from side to side. Those, those slide decks have done really, really well for me. In the last couple of months, I've probably put out 10 of those and the average one of those has gotten over 20,000 views. So that's a little bit of a hack right now because the algorithm, I think what's happening with the algorithm is every time you click on a different image in that carousel, it's counting it as engagement. And so what's happening is that it's stacking the algorithm in your favor and it's giving you more reach. So that's a little bit of a hack you guys can actually learn and, and leverage. It's just a, you can you do a five, six, eight, nine, ten, you know, image carousel talking about a different topic or, you know, training on a topic. Of course, it's going to be in a little bit different format because it's visual, but that's a great way to do it. And then video is always great, right? People get caught up in video views. Don't get caught up in views. I would rather have a thousand views to a video than uh, 10,000 views to, uh, to an article personally, yeah. because the video speaks to people in a much more intimate way. They get to see your face. They get to hear your voice. You can build that no like, and trust. There's no better way to build no like, and trust than video, but everybody gets caught up in the vanity metrics. Well, it only got 800 views or 1200 views. Who cares? You just had 800 people see your face talking to somebody, maybe if it's an interview format like this, or teaching something, or talking about something that you care about very passionately, you're never going to be able to replace that, even if it's a small number of views. It's all about quality over quantity. So those are just a few tips on the content side. That's great. Dennis, you've given so much value, and I knew you would. That's why you really want to get you one, and we made it happen. And uh, Dennis, just, just I know you've got a podcast, Growth Expert Podcast. Um, where else can people follow you and, you know, if they're interested in doing stuff with you, where's the best, best place to come and find you? Yeah, well, LinkedIn, obviously. So all my social channels are Ask Dennis Brown. Okay, so you can check me out on LinkedIn and Ask Dennis Brown. Instagram, I've been spending a lot of time on Instagram these last six, eight months and I've had a lot of fun there. Um, and then my blog is AskDennisBrown.com. And again, you can get the guide at AskDennisBrown.com forward slash guide or the podcast, which is my passion project, which I enjoyed having you on, which is called Growth Experts. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast on. Awesome. So Dennis, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hope you're staying safe in these times. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Jay. <laughs>